think I'm on now. Okay. I want to get started right away, so I'm coming up to the front. <laughs> So, good evening, everyone. Good to see everyone here tonight. It is an honor to be here and thank the elders for this opportunity to be able to lead the last class. And you have made it, right? This is Friday. We've made it the entire week. And you're to be commended for being here for all. I think a lot of you have been here every night this week. So, God bless you. It has been a, a real pleasure and a real uh, uplifting experience for me personally. And I hope it has been for you guys as well. Uh, this is uh, the last class, as we said, and uh, I've got a great lesson that I think I've prepared, but what I want mostly is input and feedback from you. But I'm going to do it a little bit different as opposed to getting it spontaneously. Uh, we're going to go through my presentation, my slides, and at the end is where I'd like to get the feedback and the input back from you. And I've got a guy that's a fleet of foot. Uh, his name is Jacob LaCuire. And he is going to walk around with a microphone so we can hear in the back. Now, uh, the folks, we sit in the back, and we are unable to hear a lot of the comments that come from the front. Uh, but as uh, Brother Tom preached one day, iron, iron sharpens iron. So we are very interested in hearing what the comments are from the back. So we've got the kids and the, you know, the uh, toddlers, lovely kids. Oh, just like Jason said, we've got a wonderful group of children. And keep bringing them on, right, so we can increase the numbers in the... No, we love that, so uh, we want to be able to hear everyone. So it's good to see everyone here tonight. Uh, I am going to do things a little bit differently, you know, because Brother Mitch said this is my class, and I can do it the way I'd like to. So I'm going to do it a little differently. But one thing that he did, he started his class with, uh, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, and then I think Brother Austin brought up, to be careful little eyes what you see and that type of thing. So I thought about my favorite song, and I know you guys don't know it, but I'm going to sing it anyway. It's uh, Father Abraham. Father Abraham and many sons, and many sons have Father Abraham, and you are one of them, and so am I. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, turn around, sit down, right? <laughs> so that's the one that I remember from back in the day when I was uh, going to vacation Bible school. But this is the last one of the series for our summer Bible school series. So it's great that you're here tonight. I want to share something that it really is important to me, and that's the fact that we're here now. Uh, we're part of the Monte Vista family, and we're grateful to be here. Uh, and I think I've told several people when we were in Abu Dhabi, you know, most of you know that we were in Abu Dhabi for several years, about five years or so, uh, and there was a small congregation we attended there. Um, <laughs> it was so small that, you know, the, the brothers had to do everything. You know, one Sunday I had to preach, teach, sing, take the Lord's Supper, do, leave the Lord's Supper, and then pray, do it all. Well, that's okay. Uh, five, six, seven of us uh, that were there. We got up to about 15 and maybe even 20 at one point, but we were uh, members from all over the world. I mean, it was really a great experience to be there with members from India, from the UK, and from the United States, and from Colombia, South America, from, from Nigeria, Sudan, a lot of different places, and it was a great uh, experience. But as we were praying about where we were going to attend next, you know, after we moved from Abu Dhabi back to the United States, uh, I was blessed to be able to find out about Monte Vista while I was in Abu Dhabi, 8,000 miles away. I'm able to listen to Brother Sean and Brother Brian and Brother Ryan Goodwin and Brother Jacob LaCuire, the la his last LaCuire. 
his last sermon or his only sermon that he got to preach on his way out the door back to Chattanooga, I got to hear him. And now he's back here. So what a blessing that has been just to be a part of the congregation here. A lot of good things have. We were praying about where we we're going to be able to be a part of a congregation that was, you know, uplifting, a place where we could uh, contribute as well and be uh, fed as well. So we're grateful to be here. So again, this is going to be a little bit different from the classes that you've had. I'd like to go through uh, my slides and then we'll do, like I said, the kind of the feedback back and forth at the end. Um, prayer. It's very important. And uh, actually, before we get our lesson started, I wanted to have prayer. And, and I know a lot of you have probably looked at those scriptures in James that we'll be talking about prayer and which we'll look at tonight. But I'd like to actually start with prayer tonight as we begin our lesson. So let us pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for your love and your mercy and your goodness and for this opportunity we have to bow before you, to give you praise, glory, and honor. Thanks for all that you've done in our lives and all that you continue to do. We recognize that without you, we are nothing. We can't accomplish the things we've accomplished in life and we're grateful for you giving us that power, that ability, that stamina to be able to do it. For those that are here tonight who have shown that fortitude to be out and to hear your word and to uh, share your word, we're grateful for the encouragement that it gives us all. We thank you so much for your son Jesus who died on the cross for us, who hung, bled, and died across the Calvary and who was buried and then rose again the third day. He gives us the right to be able to have eternal life. Thank you for his love and thank you for those that obeyed your gospel. Thank you for those that have followed Christ in obedience to the heavenly commands. So we ask you to be with us tonight and for all those that will be teaching, that they'll be inspired and uplifted as your word is preached and teach. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, becoming a praying people. And, you know, I'm sure everyone <laughs> knows about prayer. And these are the scriptures that are the foundation for what we're going to be talking about tonight. And uh, many of you probably, like me, have trouble sometimes with uh, the versifications or even the chapter breaks that are in some of the lessons, but um, or some of the chapters within the Bible. But you know, we're going to take a look at it and see what we can glean from the basic scriptures that we've been given tonight. James four and two is what we're going to look at at some point, and you can be turning to those as you as you like. Um, as you came in, I'm sure you were given cards that we're going to be using for our arts and crafts tonight, so be prepared, right? Uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. We're not going to do arts and crafts. It's going to be something very simple that we're going to do, so let's be prepared for that. So James 4 and 2, and then the other one, foundation scripture, is James 5, 13 through 17. We won't read those right now, but I wanted to go through um, my slides and talk about prayer uh, as I see it. Now, it's probably safe to say that if I were to ask any of you what the definition of prayer is, it would be very similar. I mean, we'd have similar responses to what prayer is, I suspect. Uh, it would be what communication with God or talking to God or, or being in touch with our Heavenly Father, uh, having a way to uh, communicate with Him. So many of you probably would have that. Um, and as I mentioned, we've got these cards that I've given you. And what I'd like for you to do, and some of you may do it, and some of you may not, but it's, if humor me, will if you will. If you want to use your iPad or even your iPhone or your phone, uh, there's three things I'd like you to write on those cards, OK? Write the following words. 
family on one card. Again, if you want to use uh, electronic device, that's fine. Write church on another card. And then write me on the third card. Again, like I say, some of you are, are more uh, prone to just do it right on the tablet or iPhone, that's fine. But if you do it there, uh, that would be sufficient as well. And then just put them aside for a minute and we'll get back to those in a minute. But, but thank you for that. But if, uh, like I said, if I were to ask many of you what the definition of a prayer is, you would have maybe something similar to what I mentioned. Now, I happen to just come up with a little alliteration that I use that will help me with prayer. <clears throat> Perhaps it will be with you as well, but uh, this alliteration for me is people reaching at Yahweh every time with reverence, prayer. I like that because it gives me a sense of what it really is. I mean, we know that the people that we're talking about are people of God, right? Everyone tries to reach to God, but these are people of God, people that God at one time designated as his people like the children of Israel. And he said to them in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, he said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. So these are the people we're talking about. Of course, now God's people are those that have obeyed him, those that have come into the uh, glorious uh, gospel of Christ. And in Matthew 7, 21, it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father which will enter into heaven. So these are the people that I'm talking about when I talk about reaching to God. Now, some talk about whether God hears the prayers of sinners. We won't go into that. If someone wants to chat about that later, but in my opinion, it is God's people that are reaching at him. And then the last part, with reverence, with reverence. God demands our reverence. He demands our respect. He demands our honor. So this is how we reach to God. This is how we talk to God, with reverence. Uh, if you recall, Brother um, Sean did preach on prayer not too long ago. And I think he used the model prayer that Jesus left with for us. And he also, I think, used uh, Hezekiah's prayer that was in Isaiah. But um, these were the people of God talking to God. Of course, Jesus, being God, he also told us how, as people of God, to talk to God. So this is a quick alliteration that I've used for you to kind of uh, focus on a little bit. But, most of the stuff that I'm going to share with you, you know, we're already familiar with. It's going to be basic information, but um, most of you are familiar with what prayer is, and most are familiar with uh, how to pray. But these are just some of the things that I wanted to at least establish the baseline with before we go into the, the meat of our discussion later on. So there are four basic forms of prayer. There's prayers of blessing and adoration, of course, praising God, right? We praise God when we say uh, uh, prayers of adoration. Then we, there is a prayers of petition, and most of you know that when we ask God, we're asking for ourselves, but we're asking for others as well, so there's prayers of petition that we see. There's prayers of intercession, when we intercede on the behalf of other, other people, we're interceding on their behalf, so there's prayers of intercession, asking for what others may need. And then finally, there's prayers of thanksgiving. Uh, prayers of thanksgiving uh, of what God has done for you, for me, for us. Prayers of thanking God. So those are the four basic forms of prayer. So how should we pray? 
We should pray with sincerity. We should pray in solitude. <coughs> we should pray with simplicity in security or confidence, and we should pray in submission. And as I mentioned, Brother Sean brought up the model prayer, and in the model prayer, it distinguishes exactly what sincere prayer is. We are not to pray like the hypocrites, as it says in Matthew 6, 5. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. So you're to pray with sincerity, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. So the first thing we need to pray with is with sincerity. Secondly, in solitude. And I thought about this one a little bit. And when it says, close your door and pray to your father who is in secret, you know, Frequently, we are perhaps not in our closets praying. We may be in our bedroom. We may, be, we may be in our car. And make sure you don't close your eyes and try to pray when you're driving. But we may be in our car, but that could be a solitude environment uh, without the radio or anything blasting or people honking their horn. But in solitude, in a place where you feel that you're uh, confined to just you and God praying. So we should pray in solitude. Close your door and pray to your Father who is in secret. We should pray with simplicity. And here's the thing that we found that the Pharisees were doing, the public. They were talking about the Gentiles would do meaningless, meaningless, meaningless repetitions. And when you pray, do not use meaningless repetitions as the Gentiles do. So simplicity is good sometimes. You know, there's a place for public prayers where we extend uh, our, our prayers on behalf of others. We extend prayers to make sure everyone understands who we're praying about and who we're praying for. And sometimes it does uh, become lengthy, but the simplicity of just asking God to help us or help that person also is good as well. So uh, let's remember, it doesn't have to be flowery, because who are we talking to? We're talking to God. Security or confidence. We should pray with confidence. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So if God knows what we need already as people, as his people, we should have that confidence when we pray to him, when we ask God for those things that we need to be like him, to become more like Christ. So we should know that we're going to receive those things that we ask for. And then we need to pray in submission. Um, God is holy. He's, he's consecrated. He's greatly to be revered and honored. So we should submit ourselves to him, to his glory, to his honor, and pray to, to the Father who he is and knowing who he is and what he's done. I mean, when I think about how we can just have the right to talk to God, to me it is just tremendous. I mean, sometimes you see on TV when they have these uh, shows where people are trying to ask a person interceding, you know, going to a guy, a guy and ask this guy to forgive them for something or that type of thing. You don't have to go to a guy, to a person, to a priest or something. You can go directly to God. But we should be we should do it in an humble and very uh, consecrated way. We're going to do it. We're going to you keep keep the, all of those. I'd love you to keep that if you don't mind. If I can keep going, because no, you didn't say anything. So. No, in particular, when you speak, we want to hear you, right? <laughs> so I was going to bring the mic to you so we can, you can hear what you're going to say, because a lot of times we're, we're straining, so I'm going to bring the mic around. We're going to, Jacob's going to help me bring the mic, but thanks. Did you, you do have a comment, right, that you're going to? It was specific to what you just said. Okay. All right. Can you keep, can you keep it for me? Yeah. Okay, good. 
Okay, the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is not to conform God to our will, but to adjust our will to God. We must learn to trust God so that if he says no, we accept that his will is best. That is absolutely right. We, we don't try to conform God to our will. We need to conform our will to God. You know, he will say no sometimes. He'll say yes, he'll say maybe at sometimes. But we need to understand if it, the answer is no, we don't need to continue to pray for something that he's already, he's already said no to. So we don't need to conform God to our will. We need to form our will to God because he knows what's best and he knows what's right. So praying in God's will, this, this reminds me of what Jesus had to go through. We taught uh, in our classes not too long ago about Jesus being in the garden. And he, he prayed that God's will be done. Matthew 28, 30, 26, 39 says, And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me yet. Not as I will, but as you will. That's the type of heart we need to have in everything that we pray about. We need to have a, pray, uh, a heart that says, God, no matter what the answer is, and most of you know that I've gone through a prostatectomy and some cancerous situations, and if, once I go back to my doctor on the 7th of July, if he says that it's there still or it's not, whatever God's will is for me, then I'm going to accept it. I love him and I, I believe that whatever his will is for me, I will accept. So here's a quick snapshot of God's will. I like this, this particular scripture because it gives us like four different things that says what God's will is for us. First Thessalonians 5, 15 through 18. It says, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So this is what we need to do, always. We need to rejoice. I mean, we've been, I love the, the message that Brother Mitch brought on Sunday about how we can have that joy. So we can continue to have, I mean, we, Christians should have a good time. We should enjoy ourselves. We should be able to rejoice in the situation that we find ourselves. And then we should pray continually and then give thanks in all circumstances, no matter what circumstance we go through. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. For what purpose? The purpose of glorifying the Son. John 14, 13 and 14 says, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's the purpose, to glorify him. So here's the class participate. Here's the arts and the crafts uh, exercise. So you put family, church, and me on those cards, right? So if you would, write that prayer, write that you know, how short you'd like to make it or how long you know, write that prayer that you would like to have for the fam your family, for this church, this church family, and for yourself. Write it down and then stick it away somewhere and keep it and hold on to it. You can write today's date, 23 June, and then come back sometime knowing that God will answer you and see what the answer is at some point later on. So that's your participation for today. That is uh, the arts and craft work that I have for you today. All right, now. This is where we're going to go with uh, the good. We're going to have at least 30 minutes, perhaps 15 to 20, of uh, class participation. I love to get the inputs from each of you that has you know, something they'd like to add and share. But more importantly, I think everyone here would love to hear 
what each of you has to say. So we can start with uh, James 4 and 2 and go into that. But Lance, I, I think what you had is, would really be worthwhile if you'd like to share it right now. Um, Good with either yeah. So, so you, you said you don't have to go to a priest. Yes. That's one of the things that's special about us. Right. We're a kingdom of priests. And so when it comes to prayer, we know God chooses to listen to who he deems worthy. And, and without getting into, you know, the unrepentant sinner and his prayer, but offerings from priests are special to God. And that us being a kingdom of priests, Priest. that makes our prayers that much more special. So I, with that attitude, all of a sudden, I don't become so weird feeling mm -hmm. when someone outside the church comes and asks me to pray mm -hmm. for them because I think God teaches we have a special avenue as his adopted children when we pray. Yeah, Hebrews, going to Hebrews. Okay, very good. All right. Anyone else with comments they'd like to make before we get try to delve into what this particular uh, scripture means? You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Who would like to go first? What do you think this particular scripture means? Ready to go. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when I read that verse, I go back to your a point you just made about it's got to be according to God's will. You know, we're first able to think of our own selfish thoughts, but when we go to him in prayer, we need to remember What's the outcome supposed to be, mm -hmm. and is it, is it his will? Right. Very good. Okay. So here was a particular, uh, uh, I guess, chapter break that I wasn't too uh, pleased with. I don't think most of you know. Uh, the, the last part of uh, James 3 really uh, comes, comes full circle with, with this particular uh, scripture. If you looked at the first chapter one, I mean, I'm talking verse one of chapter four. Um, I'm going to just kind of read this because I think there's a flow that's missing a little bit in this particular uh, chapter break. So verse 18 of chapter three says, and a, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And then Verse 1 of chapter 4 said, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? And then it says, You desire and do not have, so you murder. Right? That particular uh, statement, so you murder, was one that, that stuck with me about what, what was James trying to get the, the church to understand at that time. Has anybody else looked at that particular um, series of scriptures or uh, verses and had some thought about what, that, what James was trying to say? I, I think you can still find what he's trying to get to when he says you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. 
because you want to spend it on your pleasures. But does anybody have any thoughts about verse 18 uh, coming up to verse 1 and 2? I, uh, I know we don't have our resident Greek scholar, but I was curious about that word murder. And, you know, there has been some thought about it being whether was it uh, the, a, a uh, dispute between individuals that causes, you know, someone to uh, symbolically murder the person that he was talking to or the way he treated him, or was it actual murder? So. I think this particular verse actually w was talking about killing or murdering because, uh, because of the strife that was going on between the businessmen uh, and the not so uh, well-to-do, between the rich and the poor uh, that we've talked about. Uh, there, was a, there was strife there was going on during this time uh, at the con in the congregation that James was, was addressing. So we had to, he had to deal with things like this. All right, uh, I think Brother Ryan and Brother James has his hand. Verses 13 through uh, 18 of, what of, chapter? Of, of James chapter 3. Okay, yes. Uh, addresses heavenly versus demonic things. That's what, it, that's what it addresses. And when you get down to chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, it starts with pride promotes strife. That's what I see there. Pride promotes strife. Right. So, so in, in your opinion, it may be more uh, symbolic. Okay. Okay. Anybody else? Uh, Michelle, and I think Ryan, and then Michelle. Ryan. I, I just wanted to mention, I mean, I agree with the murder part, but I also think you can murder somebody's character. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Mitch alluded to it the other night where if you down somebody so much, you can ruin them. Yes. So I, I just I want to throw that out there, too, because you can <laughs> hurt somebody Absolutely. in that matter as well. Okay. Michelle. It can be also trying to force others to think the way you want them to. Right. And that negates yeah and that kind of comes back to uh, Austin's um, message last night too about how we don't need to we, we sometimes need to listen as opposed to trying to direct and command and tell them what they should be doing and that could kind of get them to go in the wrong direction of what they probably should be doing as a Christian okay uh, I've never really heard it that murder was literal here, and I, I don't believe that's what it says, but I would say 100% that's not right. Um, but Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you've heard it said in the past, I'm paraphrasing, but you heard it said in the past that you should not murder. Mm -hmm. But I say to you that if you even hate your brother without a cause, that so it's more of a, I think, a more of a mental kind of a thing and a, and a selfish kind of a thing where... Um, you know, we're not even supposed to hate each other, let alone murder anybody. Yeah. And if you murder anybody, I don't believe you'd still be in the church. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't think it yeah. means that, but I would not be adamant about that. Right. Okay. 
Okay, uh, that's that's what I wanted to hear. I want to hear uh, people's input on that particular part of the chapter break. And as Brother James had an input and, and Sister Michelle, I, I think that kind of goes in line with what you guys are saying, Brother Mike. I'm gonna back up what Mitch said with 1 John 3.15. Okay. It says there, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Mm -hmm. and that's, John, John's pretty close to Jesus. Yes. Um, go ahead, anybody else? Okay, let's, let's, uh, let's take a look at, at chapter, I think it's five a little bit. Um, I'm going to read a little bit of this because I think there's some, some serious things going on in chapter five. If you, let's go to chapter five, verse one. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver, silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you, and you will eat flesh like fire. You have laid up treasures in the last day. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your field, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your heart in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. So I think, again, just from a little study, and I'm glad we're having the discussion because it will help us to perhaps go back and take a look at it, that there was some serious issues going on with those that had and those that did not have. And there was some uh, denigration of those that were in the labor field working. They did not get what they were supposed to get. And they were condemned and murdered. And um, they were considered righteous. Those that labored in the field were mistreated by those that were rich and had than, than those that did not have. So here it is used again, you have condemned and murdered the righteous person. So there were some serious things going on at the church that James was trying to uh, get straight and rectified as he was recognizing there were some issues going, the tongue. Uh, they had issues with not understanding what pure religion was about. They did not understanding and understand many issues that he was trying to address for them to uh, see and understand faith without works, many, many things that James was seeing. And recall uh, what Brother uh, Lance said, I think, last night, how James didn't really recognize who Christ was until, you know, the, the, his death on the cross and his resurrection. So now he, he gets it, and he doesn't want this same strife happening at the church in which he's involved in. So you're right. Many have not heard that this was real and murder, but there are some serious things going on at the church at the time in which uh, James is writing to. So it's something to consider. Now, going back to what our verse talks about, you don't have because you do not ask. Well, they were asking with the wrong motive, right? Just like uh, Brother Gary said. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. The selfishness with which uh, they were trying to get things, especially the rich and the businessmen that were going on at the time. So. As you said, Brother Gary, I'd like to add Matthew 
2639, not as I will, but as you will. So when we pray, we need to recognize, we need to ask it in God's name that he uh, grant us uh, that his will be done in our lives. Okay, so anything else on four, on, on this chapter, chapter four? Go ahead, Chad. Um, he's, you know, in chapter three, he focuses on jealousy and selfish ambition. Like you said, that's driving them to get their own desires. And that's what's making them ask amiss. But I do want to definitely point out that Jesus prayed that three times. Mm -hmm. And Paul also prayed three times for the thorn and the flesh to be removed. So God understands that sometimes we want things real badly, yeah. even though we want his will right. <laughs> to come first. So it's okay for us to ask. I mean, three times seems to be the magic number. But I mean, <laughs> the, the idea being with, it, with great intensity, but still putting our own will into submission yes. underneath that. Very good. Uh, for the benefit of others is really uh, in counter to the scripture. Yeah. Great. Okay. Any other comments? Okay, we're going to take a look at uh, James 5 now. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is it? So let me ask before I get too much further into this. What is your thought about the just think about it. What is your thought about anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord? So we'll go ahead and read the whole scripture, and then we'll come back to any comments you might have on this. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sin... They will, forgive, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a, a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Okay, comments on this particular. There's a lot in this particular uh, scripture and this was again the the base scripture that we were given with this lesson so I want to go ahead and put it up here so any any comments so far on uh, some of the things that we just read there's a lot there you got something Lance? Can we, uh, approach the, uh, <laughs> we, we will get to it yeah I don't know if you want to get to that first but uh, uh, I, I just I just Go ahead. Do you have a comment? So, so my, my take on that. Oh, okay. Um, I liken it to the, 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 I don't know if you called it a joke or a present-day parable about the guy in a flood on the roof, got, you know, prays for help, helicopter comes, boat comes at the end, okay. dies, and yeah, right, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 right? And he says, why didn't you do all things? He says, I did send those things. Right. That, what that story teaches is, with prayer also comes physical aid. And in those days, they had medical practices. That's what you're saying. So whenever you're talking about asking help from God, you have to consider the physical things God provides for us and the spiritual things God provides for us. The prayer covers the spiritual side the oil in their days covered the physical side. Okay. That's good point. My okay. 
my, that's my take, right or wrong. All right, uh, Chad, go ahead, Brother Chad. To me, this section is very much talking about faith, about believing in the power of prayer. When, when you're in trouble, where do you turn? You should turn to prayer. You know, prayer is, is effective and works if you're a righteous person and you believe in God. You know, where do you go? You, you sing praises to God. The, the troubles and the joys in our lives, if, we, if our faith is truly active and strong, we should turn to God in those circumstances for praise, for thanks, and for help when we need it. And, right. And who does this ask us to, in spe specifically, to pray for us? It does. It does say the elders, doesn't it? Well, this is, in my opinion, and, and uh, we can see if this is correct, but you know, those who we consider to be the righteous, the most um, able to uh, intervene on our behalf, just as Elijah was considered righteous. We, in our congregations, believe that our elders, and, and rightfully so, are the ones that we should ask. And they, I know, constantly pray for us uh, on a daily basis and, and let us know who needs help in, in prayer. So our elders are the ones that it has directed, and it, James did as well, said that we should go to them and ask them uh, to pray for us. So um, this interesting in this set of verses, um, there's, there's a word that's used over uh, probably five to seven times in this particular five verses, seven verses. And what is that word? What is that word that's used over seven times in, in this particular passage. What is it? Pray. Exactly. Pray. And that's why when you mention the oil, I, you know, there, I think I heard a brother say, well, if the elders want to take oil with them, that I'm not going to tell them not to. But, you know, again, I have to look at it as a time when it was something that they use um, either medicinally, medicinally or physically to, with the help of getting the, the body in a restorative manner. That's what I think. Okay, let's go ahead and someone else has a I, comment. I find that this is kind of interesting when he lumps anointing because we understand the reference of anointing to the Old Testament, how it applied. And when a person was anointed in the Old Testament, uh, that was a, a direct instruction by God. So that, and that anointing provided full power from God. Okay, now I think the focus of prayer here is that we have to be in tune with prayer because understanding that praying to God, we have certain powers that cannot be restricted as that anointing in the old covenant couldn't be restricted unless they basically, um, they, they basically uh, uh, dishonored that anointing in, in, in a sense in some cases with those who were anointed like, like Saul. Okay, so, so again, you're saying the focus in this prayer. particular is prayer. Okay, all right. Who else? Did I see somebody? Brother Gary? In Mark six thirteen, and they were casting out many demons and were anointing with oil many sick people and healing them. That verse makes me think the oil is used medicinally like Okay. All right. Good. 
Okay. Um, what do we think about, uh, there's, there's kind of a, a interesting statement in this particular portion of uh, scripture, and I want to see what you think, what you think about this. When it says, uh, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. What do we think that means? Because we know how sins are forgiven, right? We know what it takes for sins to be forgiven. What, what, what is your thought about, and the Lord will raise him up? This is someone who's sick. It, is this saying that the Lord will make him whole, will make him well? Well, I'll give you, go ahead, I'll give you, I'll give you my slant on it, and you, and you guys can give me yours as well, but. Uh... Yeah, so, so this sounds very parallel to me. Whenever Jesus went to heal someone, and he forgave their sins, and he says, what's it easier to do, mm. to heal a man or to forgive his sins? And there he was proving that he could not only heal what they observed, but he could forgive sins. Today, we feel more like he can forgive sins. How much faith do we have that when we pray, he also has the ability, not miraculously, but within the means of nature and his providence, to heal us? Do we have faith enough that he has that much control that he can steer our health, whether we pray or not, or are we convinced it's just chance and whatever is going to happen is going to happen anyways? Okay, I see your point. Okay, uh, Michelle. Is it okay. I'm with you. I'm right with you. I, I don't know if many people heard that, but that's where I am. Uh, and I'll, I'll talk about that, too, in just a minute. Exactly it it seems to me that <clears throat> we have to figure out, if we can, what the word sick means. Is that physically sick or is that spiritually sick? Okay. To me, and the, the studies of the past and the context here is spiritually sick, that if you're, that seems to be what he's been talking about over I'm the last several verses. I'm glad you brought that up, Mitch, because I had and, to look at that too. I, and the, you know, you call the elders and you pray over them, and I've heard it said that the anointing with oil is a, is a metaphor for uh, prayer uh, on their behalf to restore. That's what oil did, did in the Old Testament. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Physically, not real. I don't think so here. Uh, if he has committed sins, they'll be forgiven him. Then he goes on to say, if you confess your sins. So it looks to me like, and I could be wrong, Nelson, um, well, that, that, that the sick here and the context is talking about spiritually sick for, for, for today in, in, the, in the New Testament times. After Jesus is gone, the apostles are almost all dead mm -hmm. and so on. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Okay, so. I got you. Yeah. So that that particular word, sick, that uh, at a net too, I think it is. I, I did look that one up. 
But it is the word that's used for physical sickness, and it's used in Luke, I think, uh, that talked about uh, Lazarus being sick. Uh, it is it, that particular word, and again, our, our resident, uh, you know, Greek scholar is not here, but it, it, I thought it actually referred to a physical sickness. Um, now, the part about the he has committed sin, if he has committed sin, well, we need to find out if there's a spiritual condition going on. He may be physically sick, but there also may be a spiritual situation going on, and generally elders would want to find that out if there is a spiritual situation going on that because are we going to pray for someone that's living in sin and going to maintain uh, that sin uh, that we know of we would want that person to repent of that sin first obviously in conjunction with you know asking for prayers for healing but um, that particular word I thought uh, again I, I thought it actually meant physical sickness but um, I've heard about that being a spiritual sickness as well, uh, but that's why that's why we're talking about it. That's why we brought it up, and it will probably engender more study for all of us to see if that that sickness was more spiritual or if it was a physical. Because you would want to you would want a person to repent of sin if they are sick and if they have sin, right? You would want them to remove themselves from that sinful situation. And then you would continue to pray for him uh, for a, sick, uh, a physical healing. Uh, so it's it's one of those areas where I wanted to bring it up and see what everyone had to say about it, and we're we're having discussion here now. So I got one more, and then I'll be quiet. No, it's okay because you know Ryan has one too. I guess. So, so I think in the context here and to it's written to, these people are still stuck with the fact that spiritual, or uh, sorry, physical sickness is because of spiritual sickness. That's their mentality. It started probably shortly after the garden. We see it in Job. We see it through the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament with the Pharisees. Uh, they, this is something, even up to this one, they don't understand germs, bugs, mm -hmm. and flus, and viruses, and all that stuff. These people still associate the spiritual and the physical ailments as being tied together for some reason. While they're wrong, they were not corrected. But I think that's, you know, if that's correct, then maybe it's a little bit helpful to see why these things are tied so close together. Because I do struggle also yeah. with, you know, is yeah. it spiritual or physical? physical. Yeah. But they... That's the same thing to them in their mentality and social culture. Okay, I see, I see where you're going on that. If he has committed sins, then it could be <laughs> either physical what did he do? Yeah, Why to did cause he it. Him? Okay, Ryan? So I was just thinking that when Christ came, he said he came to see, seek those who needed saving because those who were well, a.k.a. the Pharisees who knew the law or are supposed to know the law, he didn't go and try to save them first because they knew the law he came to save those who were spiritually lost so I, I i understand where you're going with it i still think it's a spiritual sense mm. but i also think that if you're spiritually sick it can lead to the physical sickness as well if, if, if that makes sense it, it could yeah okay all right therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for one another 
so that you may be healed. You know, when we come forward and ask for the prayers of the church, that's, I think that is something we should do. Uh, many, many have uh, situations in life where they want to be healed. Um, and it says the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. So the, the prayers of the righteous, which again, we've talked about being the elders, but then they also, uh, members of the congregation that are uh, living the, the way that God would have them to live, you know, those prayers would be effective for us uh, that need uh, physical healing. So um, we've got David, then we've got John. David, Brother David. I was kind of waiting for you to get down to verse 16. Okay. Verse 16, to me, ties the previous verses together. Mm. Um, and I don't want to repeat what Mitch said, but I want to say that I agree with it. If you want to take the context that this is a physical sickness, verses 13 through 15, that's fine. I don't, I don't really see a problem with that. Mm -hmm. But I think this is more of a spiritual sickness. I mean, let's face it, sin is a sickness. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that verse 16 really ties together. Therefore, because of all these things, confess your sins one to another. That's how we deal with sin. We deal with sin by being open about it and about praying about it. Okay, very good. John? Just a little more thought on the therefore, because that made me think about explaining exactly what the first part, verse 15, sounds like it's an absolute, that they're going to be forgiven without confessing their sins. But the, verse 16, I think, makes it clear, therefore, confess your sins to one another. So that means that the person who is forgiven confessed their sins and so on. And I think that was tied in very closely together because of therefore. So... Let me ask this question. The first part that it says, verse 13, is, any among, is anyone among you suffering? So what suffering are we talking about here? I think we probably have to go back to find out what's suffering, right? Because James knew that there were those that were suffering, right? So there were, what suffering are we talking about? Are we talking about a physical suffering or are we talking about a spiritual suffering? Okay. I'm going to be like Lance and the last one. Oh, no. Well, and we've got Sister Kim after after you. We don't need last ones because we got we got another okay. ten minutes. Don't we? Um, I, I don't think these things are mutually exclusive. I think we all agree there that that um, a righteous man, a righteous person, uh, the elders can pray over people who are physically sick. And uh, not to embarrass anybody, but it was years ago. When we were called on a Sunday afternoon, the elders come to the hospital that our good brother John back here had a massive stroke and was more than likely not going to make it. And we stood around his bed with his wife and his mother. And the doctor had already said, doesn't look good. We prayed for him. He came out of his coma, if that, if that what it was, I think it was, and there he sits. Honestly, I was shocked. Mm. Okay. Now, shock may be the wrong word, but we, we pray for people, and, and then sometimes we're surprised when they recover <laughs> because there appeared to be no hope that day. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, I think he's, it, could, it could be physical, it could be spiritual, okay. but I think the context is spiritual. But 
Uh, we pray for one another and, 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 the, and their illnesses, too. I love it. Okay. Yeah. The bell rang. This is going to be the last one, Kim, because I've got one little other thing that I want to do with you guys before we leave. It's, it's a Jeopardy game. You guys know what Jeopardy is. I'm going to put uh, some questions on the board. You write down your scores that you get at the end and see how well you do, okay? I, I just wanted to make the comment. Um, okay. Could the word if, if he have committed sins be a, a, you know, a clue as to um, there's the possibility that it's a, um, a, a physical because if you are spiritually sick, uh, I don't know, if, if you're spiritually sick, there is, is there sin? So. Okay. Yeah, very good. Excellent comment. Anybody else before I go to the next part? I just want to mention, too, that Peter had uh, similar uh, writings when he wrote the book of Peter, First Peter, because he talked about the righteous, and he said, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So the righteous have, again, a pathway to God to have his, their prayers answered. But those that are in sin, those that are living outside God's uh, safety net, his safety environment, they don't have that. All right, so thank you, class. So we're going to go to our next uh, ish, let's see, our Jeopardy game real quick. It's going to be five minutes. And, and Jack, if the kids come on, just let them come on in uh, even as we're uh, going through this uh, Jeopardy game. All right, you can, we're not going to be teams. We're just going to be individuals, okay? So go ahead and uh, start it. Uh, nope, that wasn't the right one. <laughs> Let's see. Click. There he is. I think it is. Hit continue with your mouse. There you go. Okay, you've already, you've already answered one of them. But here are the categories. Who said? What chapter of James is this? And then songs of summer Bible series. All right? So... I wanted someone to ask for the first uh, category and the first uh, amount. Who? Who's first? All right, Jonathan, Brother Jonathan, what do you want? Uh, who said for, for, for what? Who said, for who said for 100? Okay, what's the question? He said James is a gut punch. And the answer is? Go ahead, hit space bar. Hit the space bar, Jared. All right, very good. All right. So now hit escape. Oh, you have to hit escape on the, with the mouse. I'm sorry. Well, I guess we got one in. <laughs> All right, well, I think that's, that's actually it for today because I had uh, nine questions up there. And with the mouse, you can do it quite well. Oh, did he get it back? Hit continue. Oh, there we go. All right, so all right, we already answered who said do the hundred one again. And space bar, there you go. And then hit escape with your mouse. Oh, ESC up there. Can you? Can you hit the? Can you do use your mouse and hit? There's a ESC up there. There you go. Okay, now all right, who's next? Who would like to ask the next question? Raise your hand. Brother Mitch. Alex. Uh, <laughs> Alex. <laughs> Who said for 300? He said the tongue is tough to contain. And the answer is? Space bar. 
All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Who's next? Who want? Okay. Go ahead, Gary. Who said for five hundred? He said, actual faith is the faith that, is, that underlines action. Space there, all right. Okay, good. All right, who's next? Songs of Summer Bible Series for five years. Yay, way to go, Jacob. <laughs> I'm a little bitch. <laughs> Very good. All right, who's next? Brother Tony. Click it. Yeah. yeah, click 300. 300. There you go. This song is the monthly song for our Sunday worship. What does it call it? Space bar. Yeah. Now, who knew what page number it was? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Who's next? Anybody in the back? What chapter is this? 500. This chapter and verse talks about the tongue being full of deadly poison. Chapter and verse. Austin, where are you? <laughs> James 3.8. Okay. All right. What chapter is this of James? Or 300? These chapters of James mention prayer. Four and two and five. Four. You got it wrong. <laughs> two and five. Many of them. All right, and then songs of summer Bible series for 100. Okay. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, class.